0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Another, uh, which I'm sure you remember, the uh, Toronto van attack on Yonge Street uh, way back in April, which uh, left 10 people dead, injuring 16. And now the big question is, as uh, we find out this week, Alec Manessian will be uh, going to trial come January. No preliminary hearing, but another sidebar to all of that, the first of several lawsuits Uh, involving uh, the accused and the rental company, uh, the van rental company, are now being filed. Some say the victims could be denied certain benefits that they would have received in a typical collision. What's the difference between an accident and a deliberate attack? And how do you determine that? Let's bring in Derek Wilson. Derek wilson Law, and is with us now. Derek, thanks for the time. Much appreciated.
1: Thanks for having me, Scott.
0: So is there a difference between uh, something, an injury that may happen in a typical traffic accident or and a deliberate attack such as what we find uh, the accused, the alleged accused in here?
1: Well, I, I think the injury part and the damages are, are going to be the same, obviously. But, yeah, an insurance company could take the position that uh, this person went out and intentionally, uh hit these people and they're going to deny coverage to him. And if they do that, then uh, these people could be be in a, have a problem. I mean, if they have their own insurance coverage. Um, There are things in place, they're called family protection endorsements, where they could say that this guy has now been determined to be uninsured and they could go after that. But if you don't have insurance, uh, it could be a problem. So whose insurance would pay
0: in situations like this? Is it uh, the victim's insurance? Is it the van, Uh, the company that owns the van? Is it the uh, person who drove the van? Generally speaking,
1: the insurance goes with uh, the vehicle, so it would be he had the consent of the uh, rental company to use the car. Like I'm talking in a general scenario, Um, and then that, that insurance would respond to handle the claims of a person who sued the driver of the vehicle. Now, here they're going to argue, and I read the article as well, that um, it doesn't extend to people who intentionally go out and try to kill people, which is what happened here. And actually, it was successful, unfortunately, in some cases. So if it becomes that there's no insurance, then the only way these people have recourse is they go to their own insurance company and say, that this vehicle was uninsured at the time, and they can then go under their family protection endorsement. So that so then it would switch over from the insurance of the the van to the insurance of the person who was injured as long as they have a motor vehicle policy. So um
0: Uh, Is there more of a chance of someone having an accident? Uh, I'm not sure why they would be denying coverage here in the sense that, um, from a liability standpoint, is there more of a chance of this van getting in an accident, a typical traffic accident, or someone using it for such purposes?
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, it comes down more to social policy. Like, if you look at impaired driving, impaired driving is illegal. Yet, uh, an insurance company can't turn around and if someone hits you is impaired and say, we're not going to give coverage. And I think, you know, way back when, when there were more more cases of impaired driving, that was a policy decision. And, and it's more for the legislatures to say, you know what, we're not going to allow an insurance company to avoid this type of case. Cause how often does it happen? It, it, it happens very rare that someone intentionally gets into a car and goes out and kills somebody. But that might take the legislature to actually make a change as opposed to the laws that presently stands. I mean, it's a very, very unfortunate situation where some of these people could be left without uh, compensation. Or the other thing, the insurance company can try to do is add itself is what's called a statutory third party, which means even if they had a two million dollar policy, I don't know what their policy is, they can say we only want to pay out two hundred thousand because there was a breach of a uh, condition. Uh, It often happens when somebody who is at fault for an accident doesn't cooperate with their insurance company, where liability is a big issue, and they try to add themselves. I say try, because adding doesn't mean that they can actually get down to $200,000, still going to be up to a judge to decide whether that was proper or not. But that's what they're talking about in this article, and why you get this $200,000 number flipped around, because that would be the statutory minimum if they're able to add themselves successfully.
0: So is are, do we find ourselves in a new era here when it comes to this sort of thing?
1: Um, what I think, and you talk to many personal injury lawyers, and I think it's actually referred to in that article about the system being broken, it's broken in many ways. Uh, and I could probably talk to you for hours about that, but the reality situation is that most people in Ontario don't realize how little coverage they have until they actually come and see me or one of my colleagues. And at that point, it's too late. Um, things have changed to, I, I would say, for the worst in, in the last decade and uh, in terms of what coverage is available. This is just one example of it. Uh, there's all kinds of examples, and, and until people, and it's not going to come from lawyers, it's going to come from people learning what their rights are and, and what's available to them get together and make some noise, I don't think it's going to change. But I can tell you, I've been doing this for over 20 years, and I think most of my colleagues would agree in the last 15 or 20 years, it's gotten a lot worse for uh, victims of, of car accidents. It certainly hasn't gotten better.
0: Uh, And this is all part of, is it not all a part of uh, the result of uh, insurance companies or governments trying to get insurance companies to keep rates low so they're lowering rates, people aren't realizing they have less coverage?
1: I think that that, that's part of it, but I don't know about you. My rates have actually gone up, so I'm not sure um, that that, that's worked. I, I think what's happened is that the payouts have been have been less i don't believe insurance premiums have come down that much um and that and that's one of the the big arguments that it really hasn't changed insurance premiums it hasn't done what it was supposed to do mm. and yet for people who are genuinely injured i mean people talk about fraud in the system there are there are cases of fraud but they they're quite quite rare uh, most, and that's the like, excuse
0: that insurance companies will give for is that you know exactly. everybody's ripping us off.
1: There, are, there are some people who do. There's no doubt, but I, I find the majority of people I come across, and I think my coll- colleagues in uh, the bar in Hamilton would say the same. are are legitimate i mean you have to evaluate what their case is worth (laughs) everyone thinks you're going to get a million dollars that's not how it works but the reality is that they are entitled to compensation and most people are straight up and the system has now changed to the point where people who are legitimately injured Um, don't get the compensation that they would otherwise be entitled to. And that is a reflection not of the defense lawyers or anything like that. It's got to do with the legislature uh, siding with changes that have been pushed upon them by insurance companies, in my opinion.
0: Hmm. Uh, will this make will will this new scenario that we find ourselves in with I mean and this this could be very much the same as you know the increasing uh, uh, occurrences of flooding or natural disasters things that are different from the past will this make us this incident make uh, uh, us reexamine how we are doing this will this uh, point should... to a larger mistake a larger correction needed.
1: I, I think it should, and it, it's time I think for um, you know the government to go back and take a look at insurance and, and where it's failing, and hopefully this will be. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's a very unfortunate accident. It's unfortunate. Well, I it wouldn't really, you know, a lot of people lost their life. It, what can you say about that? You know, money's not going to put them back, no. put those families back to where they would be, but it, it can help in some situations, especially for the people who who weren't killed but were severely injured. And I think it's going to cause, hopefully, the government to reflect on where our system is. We have a lot of social nets. It's a great province to live in. It's a great country to be in. But our private insurance system, in my opinion, and I'm not the first person to say it, is broken. And most people don't realize that because, again, most people, and why would they, don't know what they are entitled to or they're not entitled to until they've been in an accident because that's when it matters. But often then it's too late.
0: We're talking, of course, about the, those that lost their lives, but as you mentioned, also those that have been severely injured, some with life-changing uh, I- I- injuries. Would the same apply to them I- as far as what they would receive?
1: Yeah, I mean, in effect, I mean, that's a whole other argument or a whole other story. I mean, what, what, uh, people get when they actually die in a car accident, what their families get is, is not particularly high unless there's a dependency claim, someone who is the main income earner is not bringing the income in. The cases that are actually evaluated higher, are the people who are still alive and are going to be living with these injuries permanently, may not be able to work again, or are going to go back and work at reduced capacities, or are going to have ongoing medical and rehabilitation needs that are not all going to be covered by OHIP. I mean, that that's, that's a big tragedy, obviously, because those people are, are going to face some big hurdles here, in my, in my opinion. So
0: l- let's create a hypothetical scenario saying, um, you know, Bill was on the street that day uh... got hit got severely injured did not lose life what will depend on whether bill gets money
1: well in this situation and it's going to depend upon uh did bill have his own insurance coverage so let's so
0: let's stop there uh would that be life insurance would that be like a personal injury insurance like you would get with your company or would that be automotive insurance
1: i'm talking about an auto policy that would respond they would have a provision it's called a family protection endorsement that would respond to things like pain and suffering uh, medical care i mean he may have uh, a policy with his employer that usually covers things like limited medical benefits and it may cover income if he has a long-term disability or short-term disability policy it may cover things like that but in terms of uh the pain and suffering aspect of it um in the medical care a lot of that is going to come from the auto policy
0: and if he's a, if if he's not a driver then that's that that option's out gone
1: No, it it wouldn't be. If he's not, you could still go as long as you have that insurance. He could still go after. He could still, in essence, have to sue his own insurance company. It almost replaces the insurance that would have been available to him from the driver of the at-fault car or at-fault van here, had that insurance coverage been available. And the reason it makes sense is that. Um, If someone's out driving with no insurance, I mean, here is an issue of whether this person's going to be insured or not, but if someone decides to take a car and drives and hits somebody, I mean, the government wanted people to be able to claim compensation for those injuries. They're not going to get blood from a stone. If he doesn't have insurance, likely doesn't have assets, they're not going to get it from the driver, so they can go after their own insurance company if they have that coverage. But when I say their own insurance company, I am specifically talking about motor vehicle insurance. So if you don't drive a car or you don't have insurance, you're not going to... To be able to do that, right?
0: Uh, so, what about the rental company? Where are they on this?
1: Well, I mean, it's going to take a little bit more investigation than you can tell from what's in the article. What I've seen and what I've read is they're taking the position that, well, we went through our policies and our procedures and rented the vehicle to them, and that was all, um, you know, standard. And I guess the issue would be, or do they have a greater? And I don't know really the answer to this. Do they have a greater obligation to start? Um, Doing checks on these people. Like I don't know, does this guy have a criminal history? Do they have to start doing that when they're renting cars? You wouldn't think it if you're renting a car to somebody, they're going to go out and, and, and kill people. I mean, that's not something that happens. Well, it does happen, but very, very rare. So, uh, and I think that's their position, what they're saying, at least their spokesperson was saying in the article, that we did what we were supposed to do it was a proper rental, we had no idea this guy was going to go out and do this. Um, you know, and because he did this as in intentional act, you know, our, our insurance shouldn't respond. And and whether or not it will, I really don't know the answer. I can see both sides, but it it may not. That's what I would say. It may not respond.
0: And what about the alleged driver's insurance?
1: Um, the driver's insurance it would be the same same argument, and and it, it would be like he went out and did this intentionally. So it's going to be it's going to be based upon. I guess part of it will depend upon too how the criminal case goes. Like if he was found um, to be not guilty by a reason of insanity or something like that, where there is no no intent that can be proven, and then this might not be an issue. So I think that's what they're saying too in the article that they're going to have to wait to see what comes out of the criminal trial um and 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 go from there
0: that was my next question who determines intent i mean could we have a new category here and 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 for example someone who who uh decides to commit such a crime and is it an act of terror is it an act of mental illness who makes that decision and uh at the end of the day can you see policies designed for such acts I mean, um, I, will there be a, a terrorism policy? And yet, if this man isn't, isn't uh, determined to be a terrorist, where does that leave everyone?
1: Right. I mean, I could see a uh, policy consideration if, so, if he has a mental illness and a change, even if there was intent, um, that in this type of case, that the insurance company is going to be obligated or legislated to respond. But that's not the case right now. And it's not going to apply retroactively. So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. This might be a good stepping stone or starting point for a larger discussion on how things need to be changed in the insurance industry. How is this different from a
0: drunk driving case? I guess intent.
1: Intent to an extent, uh, for sure. I mean, in some ways, it's not totally different because, like I said, I mean... You're still committed a crime when you're drinking and driving, and I, it's more, in my opinion, a policy consideration that because it was more prevalent than maybe it is today, but back then we were going to have a lot of people not being able to be compensated because a drunk driver hit them.
0: Could we have a van rental company saying, you know, we have a policy that says you can't drink and drive our vehicles. We didn't know that someone was going to rent our
1: vehicle exactly. and
0: commit a criminal offense, that
1: being yeah. drinking and driving. Exactly. No, I agree with that. And in that case, though, if they were drinking and driving, they wouldn't have this problem. And so far as the the victims wouldn't have this problem because they would get the the, the, uh, policy. I mean, he, you know, you, you can, it's a gray area. You can say what you want and say, well, no, this is a criminal, uh, it's different because there, there's intent premeditated. I don't know if there was, I don't know what was going through this person's head, but it's something that in my opinion would have to be sorted at a legislative level and it, it's going to make, it's going to be difficult. It will be interesting to see how this case plays out and, you know, um, i i wish that i hope it does work out as well as it can for the victims but i i don't know what about those that that perished in 9-11 right
0: i mean would that be different than this case
1: well i mean it, it wouldn't be i don't know like who they'd be suing like the uh, they're suing the airlines it's not an area i know that much about to be yeah. honest but it, it, it wouldn't. Obviously, it's a, the, the similar area. Is it's a criminal activity, but it's whose pocket are you picking? Is mm. it the building, like the occupier situation? They couldn't have foreseen that these planes were going to fly in there. So you kind of get all types of legal arguments that can come out that would be defenses to those types of claims. But the reason why car accidents are more important than I don't say more important, but um, we have to look at it. You know, closely is because it's still the number one reason why people get injured in Ontario. Right. I mean, uh, you know, planes are not. I'm not saying that those those mm-hmm. things aren't important, but mm-hmm. but car accidents happen every day, and most of them are minor, and most people get back to their lives. But many people don't, and that's where I think you have a large number of people who are being affected, where the change needs to come.
0: How long is this going to take to settle? Will this be precedent setting? Ooh.
1: I, I Whether it will be precedence, I don't know, but typically the, a case like this, there's so many parties, Um it, it can take years. Uh, when I meet with clients, I usually try to tell them if it all goes well, we'll have a resolution in two to three years. That's sometimes optimi- optimistic, but often can be done. In a case like this with multiple parties and insurance Uh, some of these people are also very seriously injured, so you'd have to wait to understand what Mm. their future is going to hold. So I wouldn't see a resolution to this type of case happening within three or four years. It could be longer. Derek
0: Wilson has been with us. Derek Wilson Law talking about the first of several lawsuits against Alec Manassian, uh, the alleged Toronto van attack driver. Derek, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Have a great day.